Father, as we come to you, we ask for illumination. Holy Spirit, this is your work. You take the words of this living word and open our eyes and ears to see and to hear that we might be transformed even in this moment by that powerful work. Father, we thank you that we as a church believe that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that when we take ourselves into one of these texts in the Old Testament, we know that we are speaking about the same God who is living inside us, who are in Christ. All of this pointing to Jesus, who is our Savior, the one who reveals to us this mystery of salvation found only in him. So Lord, open our eyes and our ears. Cause dead hearts to beat for you. Give our minds clarity that we might be transformed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand for the continued reading of Daniel chapter 2. As this scripture unfolds, look at what Daniel does first. Listen to what he asked for prayer for, how he prays, and what he says about God, even in his prayer. Daniel chapter 2, 17 to 30. Then Daniel went to his house, and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to know, make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. 
King Nebuchadnezzar was a very powerful king. He was around 30 years old as this takes place. Daniel was probably in his mid to late teens. Nebuchadnezzar could have essentially anything he wanted. He had power like no other human being. If he wanted something, he would demand it and it would be given him. If it was within his own kingdom or a kingdom that he wanted to conquer, he had the power to do that. But his power was not omnipotent, all-powerful. As powerful as he was, he didn't have power to control his dreams. But there is a God who did, who does. The living God brings a horrific dream or dreams to Nebuchadnezzar. The dreams trouble him so much that he calls for his wise men, those he has trusted before, not only to tell him what the dream means, but to tell him what the dream was. Whether he didn't remember any of it or much of it, we do not know. But he was unwilling or unable to tell the other wise men what the dream was. So he calls on them, this 30-year-old king, to bring to him knowledge of the dream, the details of the dream. What we see is that Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man at that time on earth, was powerless. And in his powerlessness, he demands something that his wise men will say is impossible. Listen to what they say. The Chaldeans answered the king. This is in verse 10. You can flip your page over. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a very religious man. In texts that we have outside of the Bible, we have the inscription at his coronation. This inscription is a prayer that he was offering to the primary deity of Babylon. This is a false god, but listen to his prayer. It's to the god called Marduk. This is found in the British Library, and it's a very interesting prayer, again, to a false god, but he's very religious. O eternal ruler, Lord of everything that exists, the king whom thou lovest and whose name thou hast mentioned, grant that his name may flourish as seems good to thee. Guide him on the right path. I am the prince, thy favorite, a creation of thy hand. Thou didst create me, and thou hast entrusted me to rule over everything. According to thy mercy, O Lord, which thou bestowest on all, make me to love thy exalted rule. Cause the fear of thy divinity to exist in my heart. Grant to me whatever may seem good to thee, since thou created my life. All to a false god. But he was religious. He believed that these astrologers, these magicians, these enchanters, these Chaldeans could tell him what the deity wanted him to know. Interesting also, Nebuchadnezzar's name comes from the Babylonian god of wisdom. The Babylonian god is named Nebu. 
he has no wisdom. He's experiencing this powerful man, the powerlessness to understand his mind. What has come to me in my sleep troubles me greatly. And what troubled him most is it probably had to do with the end of his kingdom, the fear, maybe the fear of losing his own life. So in that powerlessness state, in that restless state in the night, he becomes very rash in his decision-making. He wants desperately to know what the dreams mean. So when those who are called to reveal to him what the dream was and what the dream means, tell him three times, this is impossible. He says, I will kill you. If you cannot tell me the dream, and he says, I'm firm in this, I'm going to rip you limb to limb. Now, if you're new to our church, we believe every word of the Bible. We don't believe this is a fairy tale or some story meant to make a point that's just to encourage us. We believe that this was a real king. These real things actually happened. And he really was willing and firm in this to rip the limbs of his wise men apart. And then to go on and say, I will destroy your families too. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are part of the wise men. They did not know that this had been declared. They weren't high enough on that chart. But the king's servant, Ariok, comes and brings that message. What does Daniel do? When the king, Nebuchadnezzar, reveals his powerlessness over his dream, this powerful king reveals his powerlessness, what does Daniel do? Well, like those who have gone before him, the other wise men, he knows he himself is powerless too. So the powerless Daniel turns to the powerful God in prayer. Do you see it? Look with me in the second part of the reading at verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and he made the matters known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Well, what were the matters? The king has had a dream. The king doesn't have the power to understand his dream. He wants to know what the dream means. He's called for the wise men of Babylon to tell him. They can't tell him what the dream was or what it means because they don't even know what it was. And he's going to kill them. Aren't we the wise men too? Yes, he will kill us too. That's real for them. This is really happening. And so what does Daniel do? Verse 18, he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Right now, you are facing something that you don't understand. Your powerlessness over a circumstance could be related to work or to family, could be a health issue, could be your faith. You're, you and I always, the side of heaven, are facing things, things when we're confronted with our powerlessness. The limits of our mind and our ability to know what to do, what's the right decision. Should we take this job or not? Should we confront this individual or not? What are, what's the plan, Lord? We just don't know. Daniel and his three friends are facing an horrific ordeal where all of the wise men will be wiped out by this powerless king because they're demonstrating their powerlessness to reveal the dream and what it means. So Daniel turns to prayer. We must too. He turns to prayer because the prayer to the living God is not like the prayer to Marduk, a false god. That false god was impotent and ignorant and could not do the impossible. 
But Daniel's turning to the living God who is omnipotent, who is omniscient, all-powerful and all-knowing. We know that Daniel believes that because of what he says as God answers his prayer. Look with me at 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel. So as his friends are praying for God's mercy that the king's dream would be revealed to them, God answers that prayer. I want you to think about the power of God. God gave Nebuchadnezzar, this powerful man, a dream that scared him, a dream that left him wrestling, a dream that he couldn't get out of his mind and maybe didn't even know what he, he did dream, but he knows he needs an answer. So great is his frustration, he's willing to slaughter all of his wise men, limb to limb, and their families. These three men pray to the omnipotent, omniscient God, and he answers their prayer. He takes the same dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and gives Daniel that same vision so that Daniel can go powerful in him to tell the king his dream. That's how powerful God is. God is over all of that. Daniel describes God this way in verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To him belong wisdom and might. Omniscient God. Here's what's amazing about that. Whatever you're facing right now that you wish you had answers to, Maybe it's about your child, a little one or an adult child. Maybe it's about a visit to the doctor that's coming or one you just had. Whatever questions you have, and there are many, you feel the helplessness of knowing the answer. But about that situation and that circumstance, our omniscient God can learn nothing. There's absolutely nothing God can ever learn. So when Daniel is moving towards this God, this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, omniscient God, he has confidence because God knows. There's nothing God can learn about Nebuchadnezzar. There's nothing God can learn about Daniel. And there's nothing God can learn about you or about me. He knows everything. Daniel says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Now listen to this. He, God, changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Do you believe that? In all that you see, in all that might frighten you, in all that seems so unstable, God's not unstable. God can learn nothing about any king who's going to lead any nation. Never. He can never learn it. He knows. He knows every leader of every nation and who will lead until the time he returns. And he knows when he will return. There's nothing God can learn. Daniel goes on. He says, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That's so comforting because James in the New Testament will say, who of you lacks wisdom? Ask God. So when you and I lack wisdom and we lack wisdom all the time, the word tells us to ask the one who is all wise, all knowing. Daniel goes on and says, he gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. 
And then he finishes this prayer by saying to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel was just as powerless as all the other wise men, all the magicians, all the astrologers, the Chaldeans, but he had a relationship with the living God. And from that place and from that posture of prayer, he moves and hears from the Lord. He's helpless, but God is not. O. Halsby, who wrote a wonderful book, a Dutch theologian simply called prayer, says, us, says this to us who believe in Christ. Helplessness is your best prayer. Daniel was helpless. He went to the living God he urged his three friends to go to the living God and they prayed to the living God and the living God revealed what needed to be said. So now he knows he and Nebuchadnezzar and God are the only ones who know what went through his mind in the middle of his sleep. So what's he going to do with it? We're going to see the interpretation of the dream next Sunday, but let me tell you, it's not great news. So now the king who's willing to kill those who can't tell him what his dream was and what his dream means is about to hear from Daniel, if he's obedient, what the dream meant. So in obedience, the powerless turns to the powerful in prayer. In obedience, Daniel then goes in power to speak truth to power. And I want to camp here for a minute. Megan... And John, David, and Sarah are being called by God to go to another part of this globe to speak truth to power. And so are you. You're not supposed to just engage in that, give money to that, which you should, and pray for that. But God has put you, if you're a follower of Christ, in many different places scattered all over this city to speak truth to power. In your neighborhood, in your places of work, children in your classroom, college students in your classrooms. And though you might not sense the power like the power that Nebuchadnezzar possesses, if you are in relationship with those who don't know Christ, there is always a power that's present. Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That power exists. And in Christ, we, filled with the Holy Spirit, have his power, have his wisdom, to speak truth to power, and we must. This is God's call. Just as God called Daniel, just as he called the other three, just as he's calling Megan and John David and Sarah, he's calling all of us. We have the privilege of taking truth to power. So how did Daniel do it? Two final thoughts before we move towards the commissioning. First, he does so with incredible confidence. His confidence may appear to be self-assurance, but it's not just that. 
It's a confidence that is soaked in his dependency on God. Secondly, he does so with tremendous humility. Look with me at verse 27. Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, there's the humility, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Daniel was bringing the impossible to the king so powerful who was powerless over his dreams. And what Daniel, the book, and the man reveals to us is that there is a God, just as he said to Nebuchadnezzar, but there is a God. This religious man had prayed to a different God, a false God. But Daniel said, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he does. The Chaldeans and the others in verse 11 said to the king in their final exasperation, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Well, what's going to happen is that there is going to be a God that comes in the flesh. And it's going to be the great revelation of the living God. And the living God that comes in flesh is going to be Jesus Christ. And he is going to be stretched limb to limb because it's the will of the Father to save his people. And the Helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, is going to reveal these truths to his people. And his people are going to trust in the one who died for them the one who lived for them in a way we could never live. And then that same God is going to continue the history of, re of redemption, the history of revealing himself to mankind until the last of his children are saved. And we, because God ordains it this way, get to participate in it. And that's what we're celebrating now. You, along with Megan, along with Sarah and John David, have the privilege of speaking truth to power, just as Daniel did.